This is Geek Gab with your host, Dornall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Monday, January 22nd, 2024. Yes. To be honest, I almost said 2022 because it was the 22nd. <laughs> and I'm a little bit tired. 22-22. I've been 24. burning the candle at both ends all day today. So, But you got some new stuff to talk about because of that. Yes, yes, I did. And I got Looking a great dinner. Happy birthday um, to Daddy Warpig. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I went to the movie theater today, saw a couple movies. And you know how I said a few weeks ago I like to get the uh, collector's cups that are available at the movies? Um, the two I have next to me right now are Wonka and the Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Um, actually, I haven't seen Aquaman yet. Uh, but the one I got today in the movie theater was the only one they had. And so I am now the proud owner of a Taylor Swift Eras Tour collectible <laughs> movie theater cup. Wow. Because apparently they didn't want to make one for uh, any of the movies that are in the theater in January. Um, so it broke my heart. January, uh, the time of the year where all the studios dump off their worst films. Supposedly, but the movies I saw today weren't actually that bad. They were okay. They were at least, you know, entertaining. The second one was better than the first, but they were at least entertaining. Well, we were going to do Reacher first, but while we're on the subject, why don't you tell us about the movies? Well, actually, I was going to ask you how, how your week went this week. I saw ISS and uh, Beekeeper, so we can we can talk about those. Uh, Beekeeper is yeah. a Jason Statham action movie. Uh, and, uh, ISS is, um, it's about the International Space Station and, uh, Russian and American astronauts fighting for control of it, uh, after the beginning of a nuclear war on planet Earth. So I also was going to talk about Rebel Moon. You know, we announced like a list of shows last week that I was going to review. It looks like I'm not going yep. to be doing those today. Um, so it looks like we're going to have to put those up on the blog. Sounds good. How's that coming along? Speaking of which, um, I have got the... Uh, subscribe star and patreon pages put together they're ready to publish i haven't published them yet they're not live but they're ready to publish and i have got the blog um almost ready to go live uh and so i 
anticipate that. Last week I said it would be either a week or two weeks. And so it looks like that all is going live this week. Uh, and so we'll be able to officially announce it next week. Love it. I'm um, looking forward to that. The rebirth of the War Pig blog. Uh, no, it's it's going to be the Geek Gap blog. Uh, does that mean I have to write stuff too? No, it's just it's going to have the Geek Gab artwork and stuff. That's what most of the work was for these is taking the original Geek Gab artwork I bought like nine years ago that you can see if you go to the YouTube page. Um, you know, blue background, gray buildings, uh, little Superman figure lifting up the K. Um, I've got that in a large number of sizes because. Uh, we needed a large number of sizes and scales for various features of YouTube uh, and picking the right one to use for uh, various, uh, so I have like six or seven original pieces of artwork in various aspect ratios. I had to find the right one that would work for the different aspect ratios of different sites and then scale it or crop it or whatever to get the exact right size. So I had to go back and find the original artwork and, you know, absolutely make copies so I didn't erase my originals and then putter around with it. Um, yeah. Oh, and I realized that's another expense on the show that... Uh, we haven't been charging for is like the original artwork sent me back a couple hundred bucks. Um, and then we're paying for streaming uh, for several services that the only thing I use it for is reviews for the show. So I've, it's time to, it's about time. Yeah. It's, it's time to defray some of the costs for the show. I love doing the show. It's a great show. I'm glad we do it. We've got like almost 1,100 subscribers now. And uh, if we can get some help defraying the costs, then I will be much happier. Yeah, I realized, uh, uh, I realized though today, uh, this is a hilarious thing. I did not mean to see two movies today. I meant to go see one movie and then go to the Apple store and some stuff happened in there that I'll talk about when it's time to talk about my movies, but you also were going to review something. Yeah. I uh, just finished the uh, season finale of Reacher season two. Uh, and I thought it'd be a good time to talk about it. Considering uh, my question to you is, have you ever, seen have you gotten a chance to see reacher yet either season? i did not watch the tv shows but i did watch the two um tom cruise movies and i quite like both of those i am aware that the reacher character himself is almost the exact inverse of tom cruise that he's tall and huge muscly and blonde um he, he's basically hulk hogan with shorter hair in the back and more hair on top. Um, but no, I haven't seen the Reacher TV show. Yet. 
Uh, supposedly, it's also based off of a character in a series of books. Have you read any of those? No, I have not. Well, neither have I. But apparently, the uh, your description of him is a little more truer to the character of the book. No, that's who I was describing, is how the character in the books have been described to me. Yeah, so what they did uh, for this television show is they cast like a six foot seven bodybuilder to be Jack Reacher. Uh, I don't have the character, the actor's name in front of me, um, but it's no, he's no Tom Cruise. So they get this, this hulking ox of a man to play Jack Reacher. And the gist of it is this Jack Reacher's a guy, he's a hobo that goes around the country who is uh, ex-military, ex, uh, mil- he's also military police. So he's also a genius detective in addition to being impossible to kill in a fight. Um, and so just, this character just goes around America, you know, on the riding the bus around the U.S., getting into trouble and solving crimes and having adventures that involve killing a lot of people. And when I say killing a lot of people, I mean the first season begins without any... Like there's a murder at the beginning that he he's accused of committing. And from there, he just starts finding the people responsible and absolutely killing them. He's killing like one or two people an episode. Uh, so this is good old-fashioned vigilante justice revenge show, whatever you like. Warpig, I think you'd like this show a lot uh, because the main character is big, mean, absolutely unapologetic uh, in uh, the way he uses his size and his weight to throw it around you know authorities like to ask him to do things and he simply says no make me um and the first season at least is chock full of brutal violence um messy ugly fist fights uh you know he's he's maiming and killing people with his bare hands or with a knife or whatever he has at hand um in that sense it's a lot of fun um, and so I think you'd really enjoy the first season. Uh, the downsides of the first season, well, the murder mystery is slightly less interesting. You know, uh, for me, I treated it as a more like a John Wick type of show. Uh, very re- reminiscent of John Wick because revenge is a theme. And... Uh, the murder mystery I thought was a little less interesting. The dialogue for characters that aren't, I almost called him John Wick, Jack Reacher, not very interesting. And part of this has to do with sort of the writing and the casting of the other characters. Um, Reacher's supporting cast is actually pretty weak. Um, you've got uh, this, for the first season anyway, takes place in a town in the South where everybody in the town is a useless, either ignorant or corrupt redneck. And the only 
people he has on his side are two other hyper-competent detectives, uh, the only two good people in the police force. And yes, it's a woman and a dusky fellow from Boston. Um, the guy from, uh, the detective from Boston, the sort of lead detective in town. Uh, yeah, he's a carpetbagger. Uh, and so the rest of the town doesn't like him naturally, you know, racial animus aside. Uh, but he's actually kind of a fun character because he wears tweed. He, you know, styles himself as like a Sherlock Holmes style detective. Um, but he just can't, he can't order a push reacher around. So the, uh, yeah, that's it. Simon Hogwood, one of the black Irish. Exactly. Um, Uh, they have a fun rapport, him and Reacher, uh, because, of course, Reacher uh, doesn't put up with his crap. And, uh, you know, they both end up being, you know, respecting each other's abilities as detectives, you know, and eventually they fight side by side in the, the final showdown. Uh, but, yeah, if, you know, you take a look at that cast, you know who the writers are. Uh, you know what kind of garbage you're going to get out of the season. Uh, I'm happy to report that the first season is not as bad as that would indicate. Uh, it has a really satisfying climax uh, where all the bad guys get killed. Uh, that is a spoiler, I guess. But by the time you're two episodes in, you realize that, yes, he's literally going to kill everybody responsible with his bare hands. And uh, it's a wonderful ride. You might be sensing a butt here, Warpig. Uh, well, actually, I, I was thinking back on it when we last spoke, and you had indicated that it wasn't as good as the first season. So, yeah, um, I suppose I found it enjoyable enough to watch because they still had quite a few uh, good action set pieces. Reacher still killing people with his bare hands. All that's good. Um, but the second season, the mystery is significantly less interesting. Um, the, the the violence and the fight scenes are actually actually fewer and and less significant in the second season. Uh, there's a lot of standing around and talking. There's a lot of exposition. There's a lot of, you know, frankly, bullshit. That's not what we're here to see. Um, you know, there's a couple of episodes where it's just four characters standing around talking and working out the implications of, you know, the investigation. And then, you know, they go investigate one thing and get into a fight at the very end of the episode. Um, I've just, I felt like my Jane was being jerked, uh, which isn't too bad. If you get sort of that, if you get those scenes, those fight scenes that you enjoyed from the first season and you get those. And a lot of the time, um, I don't know, Bradford Walker. Uh, were there more women writing it? I would, I mean, I would hazard to guess yes, but I didn't bother looking it up. Um, in the second season, they introduced some of Reacher's old army buddies from his old unit where they were military police doing special investigations. And so it's supposed to be like a whole team of Reachers, right? Only they, don't, they have different talents. He's the only, uh, he's the only six foot seven monster. Um, I don't know how else to put it, but they're all obnoxious. Uh, 
Uh, you've got one of the characters is returning from the first season, uh, who's a super competent investigator and sniper, uh, who's apparently autistic, doesn't like touching people, and also eats breakfast cereals. I'm not making this up. I don't know if this is a character from the books. Uh, all I know is that I'm pretty sure she came straight out of Reddit for the TV show. Uh, wow. That's my favorite yeah. kind of character. <laughs> I, my sarcasm meter's beeping. Uh, it, in, a, in addition, uh, you know, the other no two way. characters. It, 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 does she ever say, well, that just happened? Oh, no, we don't get so bad as, as to get into uh, Joss Whedon-style uh, dialogue. But um, there's very little chemistry between any of the characters, especially uh, the other woman who's a love interest for, you know, an old flame of Jack Reacher's. Um, and there's sort of a what what passes for 2024 um, what passes for 2024 writing of a, a bromance uh, with the rivalry with between Reacher and the other guy, you know, the fourth character. Um, very little chemistry. Um, the dialogue is really stupid. Um, I, and it, man, I make it sound awful, but I actually did watch the whole season and, uh, and it wasn't too bad, but when it was bad, uh, you're, you're listening to dumb dialogue and waiting 30 minutes for, you know, what you actually signed up for, which is Jack Reacher killing people with his bare hands. Brian Renner, I think there is one. I don't know, man. Uh, there, there's probably some. I, I mean, I'm sure these characters are actually from the book. Uh, I just don't think the, I don't think the writing for the TV show was very good. And who knows? Maybe they didn't have the budget for all the action set pieces that they had in the first season. Um, though there oh, was yeah. some impressive stuff. Amazon's cutting back on everything. We have discussed this before. Yeah. So it was more like a traditional TV show where. You know, blah, 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 blah. Nothing happens. Um, not a fan. Um, it was enjoyable enough to watch. Uh, if you like the first season. Oh, well, that just happened. Something, I'm sure something close happened, but. Uh, yeah, the, the dialogue was. Pretty painful. Um. And I hated the characters. I didn't need them. Uh, just Jack Reacher. Like I could have, I could have handled the autistic woman, which is a shame because we had a great um, guest star. Uh, the main villain is played by the Terminator himself, Robert Patrick. Uh, it was awesome to see him on TV. I was so excited till you got to the end of that sentence. <laughs> Uh, yeah, an, an Arnold versus uh, Jack Reacher showdown would have been something else. I was like, really? I didn't hear about that. Oh, oh, okay. I mean, that's okay, too. I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad actor. I like him. He does good Brian, stuff. Brian Jones, yep. That's one of the great, great lines we get in the show. We're about to do some cowboy shit. 
Um, I've gone on long enough about it. I will say, since you haven't seen any of it, uh, you should definitely check out season one. Uh, like I said, uh, the despite the red flags, it's really enjoyable, really fun to watch. Um, season two, if if you think, yeah, it's about, I, I want a whole more season of that, you're not going to get it. Um, I, I can't recommend season two unless you really, really like season one. Uh, and apparently they're making a third one, so go get it. Yeah. Amazon, Amazon blew all of their movie studio money on the Rings of Power. And that was a colossal uh, catastrophic disaster is like underplaying how bad it was. So they've been canceling things left and right, and cutting budgets left and right. And uh, unless something is like a big mega hit, they're not promoting it um and given the contraction uh even if it's just a de facto contraction in the streaming market um i don't expect amazon to uh they may be pulling out of streaming altogether um at least uh in the making original movie sense because they're finding it a lot harder um, making content people want to see that caters to the modern audience. And they simply do not want to create content that doesn't cater to the modern audience. Uh, I have heard feedback from some people who have met with Amazon executives that they have told uh, owners of IPs who came in to talk to them about getting their IPs made into Amazon shows. They've literally said they're not interested in making TV shows and movies for you know, middle-class America. And they used a much more insulting term than that, but. Um, by the way, that's a little bit of reading between the lines of what someone said, but that's basically it. Um, so they're very de grim and determined to cater to the modern audience. And that's just not proving successful to me for them. Uh, and they have made some major mistakes on this road to, uh, you know, sustainability. You're seeing, like, Paramount Plus has bundled with uh, Showtime so that all the Showtime material, anything that's on Showtime is available through Paramount Plus for a... Uh, like an extra two or three dollars a month. And that may not be, you know, a technical contraction of the market. They haven't combined their two streaming services, 
but it's a de facto contraction. Um, AMC Plus includes a slew of other channels, um, including Shudder, uh, I think the International Film Channel, um, and some others. Uh, so if you subscribe to AMC Plus, then you de facto subscribe to all these other services that you could also subscribe to independently. Um, so they're still independent sites, but you get them all bundled with AMC Plus. So that is a de facto contraction of the market. Um, you know, Disney, when it bought Fox, uh, brought a bunch of Fox stuff over into Disney Plus, and then brought a bunch of other Fox stuff over into Fox's Hulu brand. And you can buy just Disney Plus, or you can buy Disney, ESPN, and Hulu uh, as a package deal. And again, that's sort of a de facto contraction. And I believe it's going to become more and more common to see. So long as movie studios focus on catering to the modern audience and don't focus on catering to the actual audience, um, they're going to be forced to either grind through content where they're dumping a lot of money into the upfront costs of setting up a show and not seeing any success out of it, not making any money out of it, or they're going to be forced to charge higher and higher prices for bigger and bigger bundles. And what you're going to end up with in the end is basically cable, but over the internet. Well, it's already more expensive than cable as it is. Yeah. But just like Uber is now becoming more expensive than taxis, uh, and other so-called rideshare companies are getting more expensive than taxis, so people are um, kind of shifting back to taxis. And Airbnb is now becoming less convenient and more expensive than hotels, so people are going to start shifting back to hotels. Now, um, I think a lot of people are going to start shifting back towards cable again or satellite TV if they have it available. Absolutely. Uh, we were supposed to, we were, it was supposed to be cheaper than cable. We were supposed to get just the channels we wanted and everything got worse and that's okay. Uh, I think we could all use to watch a lot less TV. And it's not like the basic concept was bad. What happened is the companies started making bad content across the board. That's what ruined things. I feel like we need an astronaut meme here, Warpig. Always has been bad. Except that's not true, though. Um. I mean, I just reviewed those first episodes of several shows a few weeks ago. And these are pilots where they're still figuring out the characters. 
pilots are notoriously almost the worst episode of a show. And even like Star Trek The Next Generation, that entire first season was just rough. Um, they didn't hit their really their stride until the second season. Uh, so they had 22 episodes of really kind of painful content. I'm not saying there weren't good episodes, but even the best episodes of that first season were, were easily beat by episodes of later seasons. But you had, you know, so the so-called golden age of television where you have The Sopranos, Breaking Bad, and just reams of other stuff come out. Um, Till 2012 passed. Uh, apparently the Mayan calendar of 2012 wasn't referring to the end of civilization. It was referring to the end of culture. Um, <laughs> so... Yeah, we just had our entire ability to create worthwhile TV fall off uh, the map. Um, and movies. Uh, and music. I mean, the best new music I can find right now uh, is absolutely, at best, pleasant. It's like, oh, that's a nice song. That's a pleasant song. I enjoy listening to that. There is nothing that is like, wow, that is great. That knocks my socks off. There is nothing that compares to Billie Jean or Beat It. Uh, there is nothing that compares to um, Purple Rain or When Doves Cry. Um, there's nothing that compares to, and then I'm talking about 1984 here, uh, which was the absolute apex of pop music in America. 1984 was the best year for uh, pop music in this, uh, in this country. Prince, Michael Jackson, Madonna, um, all came out that year. And the rest of the 80s were great. They had some great albums, but they all were down from that year. And the 90s were filled with great music and new types of music. But by the 2000s, it was just steadily awful. And the best new music, the tip-top new music, Absolutely stellar new music. The best you can say is it's pleasant. It's decent to listen to. It's okay. But it is not fabulous. That's a shame. And, and like I talked about, I don't know, maybe a year ago, you know, I sat down and listened to the top 50 songs for every year from... 1980 clear up to uh, deep into the 2010s and the top 100 songs of every decade uh, up until the 2010s because 2020s aren't over yet. Uh, and so I know what I'm talking about. I've listened to literally the best music of all those years. I can directly compare them by a direct experience. 
so yeah. Streaming killed itself because it makes, by and large, with some exceptions, garbage. And even the good stuff streaming makes is not as good as uh, your average stuff from previous decades, let alone great stuff. Somebody threw up a page from TV Guide the other day. And there were three phenomenal shows for one night of television and one pretty good show. If that one pretty good show were on TV now, it would be the best comedy on television. And it's not even remembered today. If I'd known I was talking about it, I'd, I'd have saved it. What show? That's why I would have saved it, so I could remember the title. Oh, Um, but it was just, you know, in the late eighties, middle of the road comedy that was still really funny. It just wasn't as funny as the, you know, really memorable landmark shows around it that were talked about to till today. Right. Like cheers and such. Yeah. Um, so our ability to create great stuff that comes out along with other great and memorable stuff where even the stuff that got passed by wasn't bad it just wasn't as good as all the stuff that stuck and so it got kind of passed over because it didn't meet that the bar set by the other stuff going on at the time and if it had come out Today, it would be almost legendary. It is disappointing. So. Uh, and I, I concur, really. I, I don't have much to say besides, yeah, the... Um, the content is crap, and on top of that, um, it's always been too expensive anyway. Uh, people don't want to pay for a bunch of new stuff, right? They just want to binge Cheers or Friends again or something. Um, and that's made the business model impossible because uh, people don't maintain their subscriptions. They binge that show that they've been wanting to watch and then cancel, you know, until eight months later when there's a few movies or a new show that they're ready to watch, right? Uh, the business model sucks. Uh, it's even worse than cable for the companies. Um, and, you know, as soon as it all shakes, as soon as all that shakes out, it ends up being worse for the customer as well. I just watched the first seven episodes of MASH. Um, Legendary. Yeah. I mean, you, they would, you, just making that first episode of MASH today, you would get your career destroyed forever in Hollywood. You, 
I mean, it's a, it's become a cliche. You literally couldn't make it today. You 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 couldn't even get that script looked at. No one would even look at at you or, or talk to it. It is just so offensive by today's standards. No one would even talk to you. Just by a rumor getting around that you were thinking of producing that script, you, no one would ever talk to you again. Your career would be gone. You would be shoveling snow in Wisconsin for a career for the rest of your life. Um, I can't even talk about some of the content that was in the show without getting mobbed. Um, Very good, huh? Oh, yeah. If you've ever seen the movie, then you know some of the just the name of one of the black surgeons in the show is enough to get people to hammer down on you uh, for racism. Just mentioning the name. Yeah, man, that's not who we are. It it's insane. Um, Uh, so there's a lot of jokes a lot of them are funny Hawkeye does his social crusading thing and he's not wrong uh, I mean, he's a like in one episode uh, Korean families are poor, insanely poor during the Korean War. Um, and so they would take uh, older daughters and sell them for uh, what is to Americans very little money to serve as house cleaners and dishwashers and, and laundry women. This is, I think, episode six or episode five. So right away, you're not allowed to make that episode because there's white actors talking about slavery, which is racist and forbidden in modern society. And so right away, your studio is shut down. The production is shut down. Everybody involved is canceled. You just can't do it. And the point of the show is Hawkeye's on a social crusade to save this, you know, this woman who was bought by a, a sergeant and he can't get, the unit won't take it down because the colonel of this sergeant, he's from another unit, has his own, uh, I think they call her a mule or a mouse. Servant. Servant. Uh, and that's what the episode is about. And they have jokes in there, too. I mean, it's, it's funny. It's not this, you know, snarling, snide, whatever. Hawkeye's kind of a snide character, but that's his character. But you simply could not make that today you would be destroyed for making that today. And it's a, 
socially conscious, you know, crusading sort of left-wing episode. I'm just saying he's and he's he's right. He's perfectly morally right. Uh, but it's a funny show. The characters are great. It's enjoyable. Um, they make fun of women in the show, particularly Hot Lips Hulohan. Can't do that today. Can't make jokes on on uh, at the expense of a female character. That'll get you canceled. All of the things they do in the show, you can never do today, which shows. I'm not saying I endorse everything that happens in the show, but it shows why you can't make good stuff today. There are far too many taboos, and the more taboos you stack up, the harder and harder it gets to write good drama, and the further and further away you get from humans acting like humans and making good drama. And actually that contrasts with the movies. Uh, because as, as weak as, uh, the movies I saw today were not terrible movies. They weren't great movies either. But, so I'm saying they had weaknesses. But they at least had they at least had human beings acting like human beings or the script writers were trying really, really hard to make that happen. They had to kiss the ring a little bit. Naturally. But you know, in one of the movies, they had a man and a woman who were in love with each other who had a romance and were allowed to be romantic. And, you know, that's become kind of verboten in a lot of different ways. Having a I just I hate talking about cultural war issues. I loathe it. I loathe that I have that it even comes into entertainment, because entertainment should be entertaining. Um well. But well, why don't why don't you uh, why don't we focus on the entertainment value of the of what you saw? Um, surprisingly enough, Beekeeper is a lot like Reacher. Billy says how you've described it. Uh, Jason Jason Statham. Uh, do you know who Felicia Rashad is? Yeah, Cosby Show. Yes. 
she is much older now because it's been 40 years since the Cosby show. <laughs> um, she plays a retired lady who's very active in the community. Um, she's, you know, relatively prosperous. She's old. She uh, has been in education all her life. She runs an education charity for kids that she helped found. She has uh, her charity has a couple of million dollars in uh, in a bank account, and Jason Statham is a literal beekeeper. He keeps beehives. He rents space in her barn where he uh, lives, and he uh, does work on his ancient Ford pickup truck, which is the same color as my grandfather's ancient Ford pickup truck um i mean literally the exact same uh make and model and color as the one my grandfather used to drive it's awesome <laughs> nice um and one night she invites him over to dinner and he goes to demure but she insists and so he goes to bring a jar of his honey from his hives and he walks in and finds her dead of a self-inflicted wound. Um, and what has happened is someone has scammed her with one of those your computer has been infested with a virus. Call this number to get it cleaned. <laughs> um, and they've emptied all of her bank accounts, maxed out all her credit cards, and even emptied the bank account of the education charity that she is uh, in charge of, that she manages. All that money has been taken. So Jason, Jason Statham turns out not to be just some older guy who keeps bees. He turns out to be a man with a particular set of skills. And then he begins to use those skills to hunt down the people who destroyed her life, who took advantage and conned this elderly woman out of her every penny she had and every penny her charitable organization had. And then he begins to follow the chain upward to find who is ultimately responsible. And despite the fact that you know kind of how it's going to end, there are several surprises along the way, several things that you don't see coming. And um, it's filmed by Dave Ayers. Um, 
and it's an action movie. I mean, he gets into fights. Fights are pretty good. Uh, they're a combination of beating people up and shooting people. Um, and there's, you know, government agents get involved. The FBI gets involved. Uh, mercenaries get, get involved. Um, security guards get involved. A private military company gets involved. Um, his former employers get involved. Um, Sounds red. <laughs> Sounds there, red. And I'll be honest, it's not as good as other movies that are similar, but there's enough original stuff here to keep it entertaining. And it's, it's not a direct ripoff of any of them. The person who made it, who wrote the script, purposely, you know, put enough of a spin on things to, to make it interesting. Um, and I liked it. It was a good way to spend uh, a couple hours of entertainment. And mostly that's, that's what you go to the movies for. He beats people up. Jason Statham. Jason Statham. Beats people up. Yep. Can't go wrong, really. So, yeah, it's not a bad movie. It's, it's a good movie. Uh, so, I mean, it, it, it's, it is what it says on the tin, right? Yeah. It's, it's exactly what you expect from a Jason Statham action movie. Cool. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how well, to I'm, explain it better than that. Oh, no need. No need. Uh, I mean, I I was interested in seeing it. I'd, uh, I had forgotten uh, about its existence. Otherwise, I would have seen it uh, ahead of time for the show. Uh, it seemed uh, seemed like something I would enjoy. Um, it, it completely fulfills every expectation you have when you say, oh, a Jason Statham action movie? Bam, there you go. It's exactly what you get. They do not cheat you uh, in any part of it. Um, so, yeah, I don't want to oversell it. Um, it's, it's a little weaker than some of his other movies, but it's not a bad movie. It, it, it's a solid, good movie. So, yeah, I'd give it a four out of five. Love it. At least he hasn't started making stinkers yet. Yeah. Oh, and you really, really hate the guys he's fighting too. You just not not so much hate. You just have like utter contempt for them. Yeah. Just loathe them. They're little loathsome uh, people. Uh, it's got Jeremy Irons in it, um, and he does a great job with his role. He does a pitch perfect job with the role he's given um and uh there's not i don't think there's any other name actors like big name actors in it but even the even the small actors all do great jobs with the roles they have um and 
all the people that you would think would be behind those kinds of scams, because you've heard of those scams before, right? Preying on sure. old people. And, and you always want to see those kinds of people get their comeuppance. Um, and you finally do, you know, because you know they're working at some kind of scummy little call center. You just know that. And so you get to see him go to that scummy little call center and kind of do what you always want to do to con men who are ripping old folks off of their money. So yep. it, it's, it's cathartic in that sense. It's like, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, you, it is cathartic to see those kinds of people get taken to the cleaners and it's different than in a lot of these movies, it's like the mafia or, you know, uh, Russian gangsters or Russian hackers or, you know, whatever. Uh, and so these are uh, villains that you haven't seen a million times before. Uh, and so that's fresh. I mean, they did enough different to keep it fresh. Uh, and they're people that they're scummy. And you want to see them get their comeuppance. And they do. <laughs> and that's great. So, yeah, there's enough to enough to it that I would recommend it. Cool. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to go see it. Shoot. Date night. Lined up. <laughs> um, ISS, which stands for International Space Station, is... Uh, and this is a little complicated, so I want you to follow me really closely here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slow this down so I can explain it. ISS, which stands for International Space Station, is, and get this, this is the critical, clever part of the title. It is set entirely on the International Space Station. Whoa. I know, right? Crazy. Absolutely. Snakes on a plane. Um, I still haven't seen. I mean, I haven't seen that. I'm sure I've had people tell me it's terrible, but uh, I haven't seen it. So I don't know. I don't know that snakes on a plane is terrible. I want to see it someday to to verify that for myself. (laughs) But um, there is a Russian crew and an American crew, and they're there to do science for world peace. And then one day when they're looking out the cupola, which is the observation deck sort of bubble, you know, with all the little windows around it, you can see the earth that's floating right above the earth. Yeah. Um, the newest person on the space station um, she looks out and thinks she's seeing a volcanic eruption and I can defend the character because she's in what is for the character the real world and when you see something shocking your brain doesn't um, absorb it right away you're just shocked and and you can't process it immediately 
So she thinks she's seeing a volcanic eruption, and that's the only way she can process what she's seeing. This is not a bit of stupidity. It's complete shock. But we, the audience, as soon as we see it happen, and then, then happen again and again and again, we know what's happening are, are nuclear explosions. Um, and then they lose contact with Earth. And so we surmise that um, there has been some kind of nuclear exchange on Earth. And to boot, they've lost contact with Earth. And the ISS was dipping lower to make uh, meeting up with a supply module easier, and they can't get back higher into orbit without instructions from the ground to activate their boosters, and they can't get any contact with the ground. So they've entered a position where they have a lot of drag from the atmosphere and they're going to deorbit in about 24 hours. And then the Russians receive from their government and the Americans simultaneously receive from their government orders to take over the station at any cost. Ooh. And then the rest of the movie is about this little interplay between the two crews fighting for the ISS. Yeah, prisoner's dilemma. So, is it a great, intense movie that I could easily recommend to everybody. No, why I can't. Was there, was there good, intense things going on the station? Yes. Um, the main actress who's the main character, who's the new person on the station, she had no expression. She had the same expression the whole movie. She didn't seem to have emotion. You could tell she was excited because she was yelling, and occasionally she was talking quiet, but she had no expressions on her face. Um, There was like one actor I recognized from one thing before. It was one of the Russians, but the rest of them I'd never seen in anything before. Um, there were some good parts about the show. Uh, one of the other actors did a really credible job with this character. He was the best actor. He was the American commander. He was the best actor in the movie. He, unfortunately, he didn't get a lot of on-screen time. But the time he did get, he made the most of. Um, 
the female Russian cosmonaut, she also did a good job acting. Um, most of the rest didn't do as good a job. I, uh, it was a mediocre movie. Wasn't a terrible movie. Wasn't a great, great movie. It was mediocre. I wouldn't really recommend it. It's not a hard, like, you must avoid this at all costs. It's kind of entertaining, but not really entertaining. Um, I understand. But it sounds like a, a potentially great setup. And the trailer really promised that, but uh, you got to execute the payoff. Yeah. Yeah, and it just... Just didn't... I don't know. It just didn't do a great job. It's too bad. Uh, also, I don't know... It's easier in Hollywood to make something big and roomy than it is to make something cramped. Because when something's cramped, you have very little space to maneuver the camera around in and get the shots set up that you want. But this place felt really roomy. Um, and I've never been up in the ISS but it felt way too big to be this little space station in space. I've always, it just, it, it felt like they had plenty of space everywhere they went. And I don't think the ISS is that. Um, they did a good job on their sleeping quarters. Like they said, it's a glorified phone booth. Those felt cramped. Uh, when they got in them to sleep, they did a good job with the explanate uh, with the kind of the exposition of how hard it is to sleep in zero G. Um, I mean, they actually worked hard to give you information, not as a big dump of undigestible uh, knowledge, but just to make you feel like you were in the ISS. They really tried hard to you know, okay, they're going to float away if they aren't attached to something. So here are bars on the floor where they hook their feet through uh, to stay in one place while they're eating a meal at a table. Oh, here's a bottle that if you don't open it correctly, um, liquid comes out of it. They form these little floating globules of liquid and people have to catch them in their mouths if you've made a mistake with the liquid. I mean, they went to lengths to make it feel credible uh, to actually get some of the science right. This is not a cheap or poorly thought out script. It doesn't take place in a ISS with artificial gravity you know, where they just don't even think about it. Everybody's always floating. They're always presenting this as being in free fall. Um, so, you know, maybe I'm wrong. And the ISS really is 
that roomy inside it. And I'm just mistaken. Because they did do a lot of work to make things feel uh, at least plausible. I mean, the guy at one point says, okay, you hear that hum? That hum is life support. If you can hear it, everything's okay. If it stops, then you can start to panic. Um, and for all I know, they took a bunch of pictures uh, from the inside of the International Space Station and then recreated the inside of it. And maybe they made it a little bit larger to make it easier to shoot or easier to block. And I mean blocking in the sense of action blocking, uh, moving actors around so they could take up their positions that they need to, to get the shots the director needed. So I'm not trying to say they got this bad. It just felt a little too roomy when I was watching it. That's what I was thinking. But I know they went to great lengths to, to try and get it done correctly or plausibly. You know, they had this experiment where the woman was, uh, her, her job was to experiment on mice in free fall to, you know, she was doing a biological experiment on them. And they showed the mice floating around, thrashing around in free fall, the way I've seen mice in free fall actually do in previous experiments. And uh, it was obviously CGI, but it didn't look really, really fake. You just knew it was CGI because they weren't in free fall and you, you can't get, you know, mice in free fall unless you're doing it in an airplane. And I just assumed that they weren't doing it in an airplane. Just that one shot that'd be hideously expensive. Obviously, this movie didn't have enough budget to do that. Um, but they did, the show did take time to get technical details accurate. So I'm not saying this is a hastily slapped together, crappy B-movie. It is not. Um, they, they really did work at it. And this is the show that has a romance between a, you know, a straight romance. Um, between one of the Russians and one of the Americans, which complicates things, you know, when things are going south. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there is a lot to like in the movie. They just didn't quite pull off the tension as much as they could have. So instead of being at like 100% tension, it comes in many times at like 90% or 80% tension. But especially during the beginning of the movie, they really nailed the tension and it just, they don't sustain it through the whole movie. It kind of, at the end when you really want it to be high, it's it just doesn't sustain it all the way. So it's an okay movie. Not great, not terrible. It's still okay. I don't know that I can do okay movies, but uh, I'm glad you didn't hate it. Yeah, I didn't hate it. Uh, I'm not saying, yeah, I, I would not say it was a complete waste of time. Um, but a lot of that I found interesting just because of things kind of intrinsic to how they made it. Uh, and kind of appreciating what they did to 
I'm not an encyclopedic knowledge of the International Space Station, but just looking at it and saying, oh, yeah, I know that's right. And I don't know if the fan thing's right, but that makes sense to me because you need to keep the air moving around inside. So it has to, they have to have fans. So it makes sense that there'd be that hum all the time. I don't know if that's true or not. That seems like it would be true. We're going to have to skip Rebel Moon. I'm just going to have to write about that. Yeah. That's all right. I'm guessing I don't want to watch it. But I'll wait till the, the uh, article comes out on the new Geek Gab blog. Is there anything else that you did want to make sure to talk about before we sign off? Uh, you're supposed to be talking right now because I'm making a note. Oh, my mistake. I used my time to talk to ask you a question. That was a huge mistake. Well, I'll uh, I'll just wrap up. I mean, uh, it was good to uh, take a break and talk about just uh, you know dumb mindless entertainment um, this week. Uh, it was good to talk to you, uh, and I also like hearing that there's a halfway decent movie uh, that you can enjoy came out in January. Uh, so I look forward to checking out um, Beekeeper and what else. And uh, you know, as a reminder. Uh, DW, you would love Reacher Season 1, and I can't recommend Season 2. Um, that's the same for anybody who's listening. Uh, it, was, it was great to see you guys out in the chat. It was fun to talk, and I hope everybody listening later enjoyed the reviews and uh, sees or avoids movies, you know, as the case may be. But uh, I think I'm done for this week, Warpig. Uh, take it away. All right, folks. Thanks for... Uh... Thanks, everybody, who tuned in live, participated in the chat, and we want to thank everybody who will tune in later. Um, this has been Geek Gab for Monday, January 22nd, 2022. You can get Four, us on sir. YouTube. 2024. <laughs> Dang it, I did it. Trying so hard. I looked right at. You looked at, right at the 22 in the calendar. Oh, well. <laughs> Monday, January 22nd, 2024. Um, we're available on YouTube.com slash GeekGab. Once again, that's YouTube.com slash GeekGab. Or you can get us on the Google Play Store, the iTunes Store, or on SoundCloud.com just to a search for GeekGab. And we are going to be having a Geek Cab blog coming up. We're doing a soft launch this week. And then we will announce the uh, blog's full launch as well as a Patreon and a subscribe star, both of which will be at patreon.com slash geekgab. And uh, subscribe star is all real kind of twitchy about it. Subscribestar.com slash geek dash gab. Oh. I'm going to hate saying that. I'm just going to be annoyed by that. We'll include links to those in the descriptions when they go live. Not this video, but the next video. Uh, so that we can get people uh, helping us defray the cost of running the show. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm all choked up all of a sudden. Um, I, I was wondering... I was wondering, now that everybody knows where 
they can listen to our past shows and future shows uh, in case they're worried or fretting. Uh, are we going to be doing another show anytime soon? Oh, we should be. Oh, but I should say, uh, feel free to subscribe here on YouTube and uh, click the bell icon so you can get an announcement as to when we are going live. We are signing out for today, folks. But don't you worry. Don't you fret. We will be back.